Welcome to Break the Ice with Mike Vogel, presented by Power Up Premium Trail Mix, the official trail mix of the Washington Capitals. Everyone, Mike Vogel here for WashingtonCaps.com, and welcome to another episode of Break the Ice. And joined today by longtime Caps goaltender uh, Oli Kolzig, now a professional development coach with the Caps. And Oli, thanks for spending some time with us and hanging out today on this uh, hot summer day. Just want to kind of uh, t- take a look back, uh, stroll down memory lane with you, and then catch up to uh, current times as well. Um, just going over your your long career here. Um, actually, I remember you telling me long time ago that you didn't start out to become a goaltender. So maybe start with the story of how you fell into net minding. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually a pretty, pretty comical. Um, we moved to Edmonton when I was four years old from, uh, from Europe and, and my dad uh, really enjoyed the sport of hockey while he was over there and, and decided to get me involved in it. And we, um, in Edmonton back in the day in minor hockey, you, you were basically playing on the outdoor rinks. And uh, you know what Edmonton's like in uh, mm-hmm. in December, January, February. It's not, not, not a very pleasant place to be outside. So um, it was my turn to play net, and uh, I just remember how cold it was. And um, this, kid, this kid had a breakaway on me, and I thought to myself, there is no way I'm going to get hit with this puck. It's going to hurt too much. So I basically turned around and hid behind the net. And uh, lo and behold, I ended up having a pretty good NHL career as a goalie. But it didn't. It didn't really start until um, a little bit later. I was about ten years old, um, and uh, our goalie, for whatever reason, that day didn't show up and needed somebody to volunteer. And I decided to do it and uh, got a shutout that night. And everybody patting you on the back, and I thought this was the greatest thing in the world, and I never really looked back. So it wasn't until I had a bad night and everybody was booing you that I was wondering, well, maybe I didn't do the, make the right decision, but uh, I stuck with it, and and lo and behold, yeah, ended up. And and you're, I, I, you know, Cap signed a guy named Clay Stevenson, a goaltender who's here at development camp this week, and he played three seasons in the British Columbia Hockey League, and that's. And where you started with the Abbotsford Pilots, I've seen them Falcons. It was Falcons. Yeah, I've back seen them called the Pilots and the Falcons. Yeah. Okay, so and and the year that you spent there, and I guess it was just part of that year though. They they used fifty five players and they finished in last place, and only three of those guys ever heard their name called in an NHL draft, and only one of them ever played in the league, and and that was you. Uh, just what what was that like? No knowing at that time that you you. I guess hoped to have a career, but but playing for a team that was kind of going nowhere, and I think you, I think uh, later that season you went up to New New Westminster in the Western League, and and that's obviously a a step up. And I think it was the year after that you're drafted. I mean, how how did you get from point A to point B? Because the numbers there at at uh, Abbotsford, I think the GAA was over six, and the save percentage is around eight forty. Those aren't exactly uh the numbers that inspire a lot of confidence so no, it was a different game back then but That's not, true it too. wasn't that different but no it was it was actually a whirlwind three four years started with i was playing midget hockey in dartmouth nova scotia mm-hmm. um uh my, my dad my parents were in the hotel business and my dad had gotten transferred to british columbia that year but we had a really good midget team um like we could vie for the for the mm-hmm. national championship so they moved to bc and i ended up living with our trainer and uh, we had a great year uh, we ended up going to the air canada cup which was our national championship we didn't we didn't fare well in the in the tournament itself but i was uh i was scouted by new westminster and um so they they listed me back then that was back before they had the bantam draft and um and so i was their property and uh so i moved out west that summer live with my folks for the summer and i went to training camp in new west and um they really didn't know much about me. They saw me at, at the tournament, and so there wasn't really a, a lot they knew about me. They knew about my size, and um, and uh, they had a they had a goalie prodigy and Dusty Emu that was there, and uh, they wanted to give him a, a really good look. And and so I ended up I, I I actually billeted in New Westminster with four of the veterans on the team, and then I would um, me and another guy same he was kind of the same boat. He was on the on the cusp of 
of playing junior, but you know they wanted to play wanted them to play some games, so we both went down to Abbotsford. So we carpooled every day to, to Abbotsford and practiced and played and and um, my sole focus was was New Westminster. I mean, I, I didn't really yeah. pay too much attention with Abbotsford, despite you know um, I didn't they had a bad team and and we struggled and. Um, and so things weren't going well for the goaltenders in New West, and and uh, the coach just decided, you know, it was time to give me a shot. So I got the call. I had to drive all the way back to Abbotsford to pick up my equipment. And so I got there. My equipment was all packed and everything, and so I put it put it in the car, drove back. We had the eight-hour bus trip to Spokane the next day, all excited, get in my stall, start taking my stuff out. I realized my skates weren't packed. The trainers had taken my skates to get re-riveted that night and forgot to put it in my bag. So I made that trip, and I thought it was probably the last trip I was going to play. We really had had an old-school, hard-nosed coach that didn't take any bull or didn't take any excuses. And um, when I went and knocked on his door and told him what happened, I mean, I thought I was done. But... uh, they were they were great enough. I mean, they we brought all three goalies, so the other two guys played, and and um, and then when we got back, I played that that next home game um, against Moose Jaw Warriors and and, and Thurman Flurry, and uh, played really well, and um, basically stuck with the team the rest of that year. Um, so going into the next year, it was uh, it was myself and Dusty Emu because Ray Woodley was a twenty year old, and so he was done with his career, and we were we were poised to go down to to uh, Tri-Cities where our owner built a new building and, and decided to move the team down there. And then right before the right before we had training camp, they traded Dusty to Lethbridge. And then it was me and Frank Furlan. Uh, Frank was a, a 20-year-old that came from uh, Michigan Tech. Um, Tony Esposito School, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, Scott Murray School. Yeah. Oh, no, no, Scott was Lake, Lake State. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, was it Phoenix Copley? Yes. Cops was Michigan right. Tech. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so it was the two of us, and I and and and, and Furley was probably the the number one guy going into the season, and um, it was a strange year because our new building hadn't been finished yet, and so we had to play the first seventeen Oof. on the road, and um, it was awesome. We, we we bonded as a team. Uh, we we I think we were just one game under five hundred when we finally came into our own into our new building, and and I'd started to really establish myself, and and. Uh, by the end of you know, by the beginning of the new year, I'd taken over as the number one guy, and and really started to establish myself in the league, and and I think um, that appealed to scouts. Obviously, my size—I was a big guy. I moved pretty well. Um, I did nimer- numerous interviews with the Caps that year. Barry Trotz was the Western League, yeah, uh, that's right, Western League scout at the time, and um, Jack Button was a player director of player personnel. Warren Stralo was a goalie coach, so I met with them a bunch of times, and. Uh, and yeah, that that summer, I I got my name called, you know, by the Caps in the first round, and it was just I, I just sat there and thought about where was I two years ago, and this is a this is amazing. Yeah, and uh, and then it even got better because I made the team out of training camp that year, and when we went to Russia, and uh, yeah, I couldn't have asked for anything anything better to a, a better start to a career. Let's just say that it was a meteoric rise. It was really fast, and and you were the first goalie drafted, uh, which I I think. He, I think you told me at one point was was a bit stunning to, to you. To, you know, and now you look back and you look at every guy who was drafted in that round, in that first round. I mean, there's only six guys in the entire first round who ended up playing more games in the league than you, and there are guys like Sundin, Scott Thornton, your buddy Stu Barnes, Billy Garen, Bill Guerin, yeah. Bobby Holik, and Mike Sillinger, yeah. and only one guy whose career lasted past yours, and that was Garen, who played one year more than you, so definitely something to be proud of. But the uh, draft was in Minneapolis that year at the old the old Met Center. I'm wondering, though, so you had to be on a high there, hearing your name called. Like you said, you had a good indication that the Caps were interested. What were your thoughts when they drafted another goalie in the second round, though? So I knew they were interested in both Byron and I, and they, they were at a lot of our games. And, and so we I didn't really know going into the draft who was going to go one and who was going to go two. I knew that it was – it was the two of us that that were battling for that um, coveted spot, and so I when I when I got my name uh, when I heard my name I was just super excited, and I remember I was in the back uh, area you know doing interviews and, and and things like that, and then I heard 
over the loudspeaker, you know, the Washington Capitals are proud to select in the second round, Byron Defoe, and I'm like, oh, boy. Because back then, I mean, Byron and I ended up becoming best of friends, but back then we played against each other. I don't know how many times. We played against each other when I was in Abbotsford and he was in Juan de Fuca, and then uh, Portland played Tri-Cities, I don't know, 13 regular season, six playoff games. It was just – and he was a very arrogant guy back in the day, like very <laughs> full of himself. He was one of the guys that was highly touted, and he knew it. And um, and so I didn't really have a lot of time for him. But uh, uh, we made that we made that trip to Russia, and we were the only two rookies. And so we ended up hanging out together and realized we had a lot more in common and – he wasn't that bad a guy, and and uh, like I said, we ended up becoming best of friends. What was that 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 like you said you made the team as a nineteen year old, but training camp part of, part of training camp uh, was in Russia that year, and and I think that was that was even before the the fall of the Soviet Union, slightly before. What was that experience like, and, and what was it that sealed the deal that that got you on the uh, opening night roster? Do you think? Um, so the, the, the trip itself was, was phenomenal. We started, we went to, uh, we went to Sweden and we played in a couple areas in Sweden. I think we played in Cali's hometown of Karlstad. Um, uh, we were there for a week and then we went to, uh, we went to Riga, which was absolutely beautiful, even though they were still under the USSR, uh, beautiful country, great people. Um, remember we were playing against, uh, Dynamo Riga, Archer Zerbe was playing yeah. for them. Um, I had a phenomenal game. We, I think we ended up winning two, two, one. I became, I was first star or player of the game. And then they give you this, um, you know, it's like artwork from, from, from the town. It's all handmade stuff. And I think I have it. It's still in storage back home. But, um, so I, that first game just, just gave me just a ton of confidence. And, uh, the other thing is too, when you're going in there as a, as a 19 year old, your expectations are very low. I just wanted to go in and, and, um, just make a name, just establish myself, just play. And with the mindset, knowing I was going back, I mean, it was rare for a goalie to, to stay, um, yeah. out of their first training camp. So I, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't have a lot of expectations. I just played hockey. I didn't overthink it. And I just let myself play, and then then I got named to the the opening night roster, which was which was amazing, and I couldn't believe it. And then the nerves started settling in, and now you're starting to think a little bit, and you know you're on national TV. And um, the first game against Hartford wasn't too bad. Uh, we, I think we ended up losing four two or four three. I gave it's up your first first team's first road <coughs> game of the season, though. Yeah, yeah, I gave up three against. Uh, I gave up three in the first period. Mm-hmm. Um, Lost four yeah, one. So. Lost four one. They weren't bad goals, or um, but I was definitely nervous. And I, I settled in after that, and then um, it was like a week or two later, I got my second start against the Leafs in Toronto. Uh, it was on Hockey Night in Canada, and um, first half of the game, I was playing great. We were up four one. Yeah, and uh, you know things were going well, and and next thing I know, I look up at the end of the third period, and we lost eight four, and. I'm like, oh boy, where did this? What happened here? And I remember Ally Frady scored on the blue from the blue line on me. Shot was so hard that my glove didn't even react until the puck hit the net and was bouncing back out. And I thought to myself, well, maybe I'm not ready for this level. And <clears throat> so I had a meeting with Brian Murray the next day when we were on our way to Calgary, and he told me that uh, that they were going to send me back. And uh, I, I definitely understood, and, mm-hmm. and I appreciated the time, and. Um, but it set me back a bit because I went back to Tri-Cities, uh, not with a bad attitude, but with the wrong attitude. I thought, okay, well, I made the NHL. I was playing against these, the best players in the world. I'm going to come back to junior, and, I mean, I should be able to dominate. But you don't realize then um, that the higher, the higher level you play, the better the guys in front of you are. They all do their jobs really well. And um, when I went back to junior – uh, it was it was chaotic. It was sloppy, um, and I got. I mean, I guess I just became too reliant on them to do their jobs, and as a result, the first half of the year I, I struggled. I didn't I didn't play well uh, to the point where the highlight of my my um, return was in November against uh, the Seattle Thunderbirds, and um, I ended up scoring an empty net goal, and. I had an assist. I had a, I had a penalty, and I had a uh, 
I had a goal, so I guess it's a goalie version of a Gordie Howe hat trick. But it's impressive. Um, yeah, but the bench is cleared. I mean, it was it was a fantastic event. Like I just finally something positive happened since I got back, and I just remember the next day I got a phone call from Jack Button, and um, you know he's like, "Hey, I heard you had a pretty good night last night. Scored a goal." And I go, "Oh, Jack, it was unbelievable." Um, you know, the bench is cleared. Uh, you know, everybody was patting me on the back and this and that, and I'm just sitting there tooting my own horn, and Jack's like, yeah, well, that's great, but the last time I checked, you know, we didn't draft you to score goals. We drafted you to stop pucks, and you haven't been doing a very good job of that this year. So I suggest maybe we we focus on the stopping of the puck instead of playing it. And I don't think I left the net the rest of the season. <laughs> I think I just stayed on on point. But um, yeah, so I mean, it took me a while. It, it, it took me a while to get back because the next training camp, I had kind of the same attitude. I'm like, hey, I made the team last year. I'm going to make it this year, and. It didn't work out, and it took me, you know, I had to go to the coast that year. Yeah. The next two years, you were split between uh, the coast and Baltimore, Baltimore and Hampton Roads. Yeah, and then Byron Defoe came in. And, uh, and then they need... drafted Carey as well. And, right. then, and then so now there's a real glut. Yeah, they had Rivnak, they had Simpson. Yeah. So there was a there was a plethora of goalies. And, and um, you know, that uh, Byron's second year, my third year, they, they loaned me out to Rochester. Right. Which at the time, I mean, that's got to be a blow to your confidence. You're you're going to a different organization. They're parking you, and all of a sudden, you, like you've been growing up with this group of prospects, the Connor Walchucks and the Cleese and whomever else, and now all of a sudden, they're mixing you in with uh, the Buffalo guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so at the time, I mean, you, you realize now when you're on the other side of the door that there's always a plan, and management always has a plan for you. It's it's not that they're they're punishing you or uh, trying to get rid of you, they they needed two places for for Byron and I to play, and and the coast was done for me. Like I, you know, it was time to to move on and and start uh, playing consistently at the American League level. So they moved me to Rochester, which I was very bitter about. I'm not going to lie. At that time, I was very bitter, mm-hmm. and, and I thought that they basically uh, gave up on me. So my my mindset was, oh, you know what, I'm going to go in and I'm going to show Buffalo, and um, you know. I'm going to end up signing a contract with them at the end of the year. And so, and I had an unbelievable year. I also did some, some changes to my, my mental game too. I started getting a little bit more, started paying a little bit more attention to that. I, I started getting books and reading on, on, on how to become a little bit tougher mentally, uh, not let bad things affect you through the course of games. And so I started, I really started implementing that stuff in my game and, 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 you know, it wasn't a coincidence. My game took off that year. Uh, we ended up going to the Calder Cup final and lost to Cape Breton. But I'd really established myself. We beat the juggernaut Binghamton uh, mm-hmm. Rangers that year, who I think lost six games total. Um, and uh, so out of that, I had I had contract offers from Buffalo, Boston, and I remember David Poyle was talking to my agent, and he asked, what's it going to take to keep Ole in the organization? And my agent, without even blinking, said a one-way contract. And David gave it to me. So, um, you know, I try to tell that to the prospects now. I, say, I said, there is a plan for everybody. Until your contracts are done and they don't want anything more to do with it, there's always a plan. And you might not think it's the right plan for you at the time, but believe me, being on both sides, it's yeah. there's, there's always uh, a reason why they do things. And then I give them the example. And, um, it, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, these these stories are exactly why I think you're you're in exactly the right spot doing what you do now because the things that you can tell these kids are. I tell these kids there is not a situation that you can come to me with that I haven't been in. I've been a first rounder. I've been a guy that's played in the East Coast League. I've been a starter. I've been a backup. I've um, both American League. I've won championships. Um, I've 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 done it all. So there's not a scenario you can come up and say, "Well, I don't think you understand because you've never done this." Well, actually, I have, and uh, it's it's served me really well. I mean, there's been instances where kids have done that, and I'm like, "Guys," and then I'll whether if I have to pull up a YouTube or a Google thing and yeah. and show them, I'm like, "Guys, this is this is my career." I mean, I'm pretty educated in every part of it, or th- that I can, you know, there's so many things that I can help you with or try to help you understand why things are being done or being said. Um, yeah. And, and even after you got that one-way contract and you were, 
firm, you know, your, your position was more firm in the organization. You still weren't done with the American League. Not, you know, there was a, still a little bit of yo-yoing to, to be done there. And, and, um, well, I think that had to do with the emergence of Jim Carrey. Well, it, that was know, a big part of it. Partially, well, in the lockout too. So you know, yes. So yes. you're you're playing, you're playing in Portland there, yeah. but for a couple of years, you, the the numbers. You, I think you played 39 games with the Cavs and maybe 35 in Portland over a period of a couple of times, and then the, once that lockout ended. There was you and and Tabarachi were were kind of ensconced as the tandem, and then the team got off to a, a horrible start that year. I think you have three ten and five, and and at some point Byron had been called up to play a few games, and he didn't pan either. And so they you had the three goalies there, and then kind of out of desperation at that point because you're three ten and five in only a forty eight game season. Well, I think I think Byron got traded to uh, L A. During the lockout, because I remember I went down to I went he, down he to played Fe- four games with you guys that that year. Did he? Okay, I'm trying to think so I think the trade was after was at the end of that season because Tabarachi got yes, traded. Yes, you're right. At the it deadline. was in the summer. You're right. Yeah. It was. Yeah. So so all of a sudden on March second, you guys are three ten and five, and they call up Jim Carrey. There's 30 games left. He winds up playing 28 of them. I mean, like back to backs. Didn't matter. Whatever. You you got to start like in May, kind of a token start at the end of the season after they. They made the playoffs, but it you know it, it just felt like you, once you, you you had an opportunity there at the beginning of that season to maybe seize it, and then the next opportunity didn't come until I guess well March first is March first of ninety seven they they traded after Kerry won a Vezina the year before they traded him in that big deal to uh, to Boston, and then seven months later to the day you guys are playing opening night in Toronto, and that's kind of I mean at that point you're. You're 27 years old, and and your career record is like 16, 36, and eight. Um, but everything turned that night in in Toronto. What do you remember about that? How that well, went? Well, first of all, first of all, my my path to the NHL probably wouldn't exist in 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 the salary cap era. It just right. I was fortunate that that you know I had an organization that was patient enough to keep me around that long. Um, but. Yeah, yeah, there were there were numerous opportunities where I had a chance to to go in and 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 you know seize the day, and if for whatever reason it didn't work out. So then, yeah, finally in in uh, October of '97, it had a culmination of things. I think it was a new new coaching staff, new GM. Yeah. Dave Pryor had come in, which was huge for me. I'd worked with yeah. Dave with the German national team, so for me, there was a little bit more of a fresh start. You know, like. I think Shoney had already had his mind made up on me, um, you know. So for for a new set of eyes like George and 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 Ron to come in, and then obviously I had Dave who believed in me from day one, um, was really was really good for me. Um, we so anyway, training camp. Both of us, Billy and I, both had great training camps. Obviously, he he was the veteran, and so he got the nod opening night and. Um, we're in Toronto and, and, um, I remember first period, Billy took a puck to the, to the nether regions and, and, um, for whatever reason it, it hurt him so bad he couldn't finish. So I ended up going in and this is what, this is where I was at the time because Toronto to me was never really a good place. I, right, I got, I got lit up. Yeah. I got lit up my first start. I dislocated my kneecap. I think my second start there just wasn't a great place for me. And so I went in I, I think we had a five, nothing lead. When I went in, I they really dominated them in the first period, and my mindset was like, "Okay, don't blow this." Instead of going in saying, "Okay, this is your time," I'm sitting there going, "Don't blow this," and I'm like, "This, what are you doing? That's all this stuff you've worked on, this mental toughness, this you know, talking positive. It just kind of went out the window just because of my environment and where I'm at and all the history I had there. And then, you know, I just sat myself there and, and I said, "Okay, this is." Leave that alone. Knock it off. This is your opportunity. And I think we ended up, hey, I gave up one goal, or we, we ended up shutting him out that night. I can't remember. It was seven. I don't remember either, but, yeah, you. you yeah, we ended up winning it. the goal. I played yeah. well, but Billy was still out. And um, and I, I I didn't, I don't think I looked back after that game. I just kind of went on, went on a bit of a run, and then when Billy got healthy, they just kept me in the net. Yeah. And that whole season, I mean, I ended up making the, uh, the all-star game and, uh, we had Nagano Olympics that year, and it just yeah. everything came together for me that year. And I think I just finally 
really believed in myself that I could get it done and and then we just went on a magical run in the in the spring all the way to the finals. I was going to say you could have I I think even if they had won a game or two in the final you, you could have won the con Smythe that year. That's how good you were yeah, in it the was, playoffs. <laughs> yeah. I mean there are three or four shutouts in there. Um I, I, you 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 were definitely in in a groove but that um it was kind of an improbable run. I mean, that that was a the, the the defense in front of you was was pretty solid, and I always thought that's that's one of the reasons that that Jim Carrey had that that strong Vezina season. I think he had nine shutouts. A lot of them were like sixteen, eighteen saves. When you look at that defense, I mean, it was Gonchar, Tenorti, Cote, Riki, Witt. Klee was like our seventh, eighth. Well, Cl- uh, Klee Brown. and Jimmy Johnson were playing right wing, or, or they yeah. were playing wing on the fourth line because that that defense was kind of impenetrable. And, and you know, they even traded Sylvan to um, Toronto for uh, Brown, Jeff Brown. Yeah. yeah. So um, I thought that was that was the, the strength of that team. You had, and then you had Bonder with fifty-two goals that year, and the next guy was like Connor Walchek at seventeen, I think, and. Um, and then Bonder gets hurt real early in the in the I think maybe game two of the the opening round against Boston. He's out for a while, and you guys, uh, Brian Bell stepped up as a Tekin, and those two guys were were massive acquisitions. But what what did that feel like as as those games went went by? Because I know what it felt like for me going to the rink every day, and 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 it, it just seemed like you guys weren't going to lose. So it was that first round was a lot like. Um in 2018 when the Caps finally beat Pittsburgh. We were up 3-1 against Boston, and all you, like, you know, we had Tony Kornheiser was writing for the Post at the time, and all you ever heard about was, oh, yeah, that's fine, they're up 3-1, but they're going to find a way to choke, they're going to find a way to get it. It's all we talked, that's all they talked about. It wasn't about, oh, they're on the cusp of winning the first round, right? Pat was, Burns was playing that up, too. Yeah, so, you know, I think we ended up losing game five, but then uh, we finally got it done in game six. Um Despite a little controversy with uh, the toe, toe in the, the crease, crease and, and was a double overtime. I was, I think, I was already in the dressing room when when they told me to get back on the ice because <laughs> it got waved off. And you know, at the time, I I, I still think it's the dumbest rule in the yeah. world. Like that whole, Agreed. you know, the Brett Hole Brett Hall one in Dallas, I think, or against Buffalo. I thought, come on, that was a legit goal. He just, it was a little overboard. But anyway, uh, yeah. So we ended up beating him and we got it done. And I think it was just like a, even though it was just the first round. Because um, we had, we hadn't had a lot of first round success. Um, well, the seas kind of parted after the first round too, because all the teams in front the, of you got they got eliminated by the other teams, so right? All of a Philly you're and as Jersey, four seed, and you got a yeah. home ice the rest of the way. Yeah, so things everything everything worked out, you know, well for us. But at the same time, um, you know, you you create your own luck, and um, you know, we were playing well going into the playoffs, and uh, yeah. So when we when we got through Boston, I think we just felt really good as a, as a team and um it was the spring was fantastic it was just so much fun to come to the rink and um you know in between games we go play golf and we had a great group of guys that would want to go play golf and and the weather was nice and mm-hmm. and you know we were getting a lot of love in the post and um i remember you know that that night after we beat buffalo um when we flew back to piney orchard that it was, was incredible that was unbelievable. We're two miles from Piney Orchard, and there were cars already being lined up. And then they come into that parking lot. Essentially, in the middle of the night, too. Middle of the night, yeah. And um, I mean, that was for me. That was it. That was epic. Up until what, what game was it? Game two or three? No, it was game two against Vegas. When all of you know, within two blocks of of uh, Capital One, was just a sea of red. You know, yeah. but that Piney Orchard moment for me was up until then was was the best i agree yeah and then uh you know i think if you win game two who knows what what could have happened uh but yeah third period lead uh slipped away and Essa obviously missed that uh that shot at the empty net which which could have could have that series it was four nothing but it was a lot closer than four it, well, absolutely. you know we lose game games one two tight. one yep should have won game two which obviously could have been a lot different um, i think game three was also two one or yeah three, two yeah and then close. game four i think was like three one four one but yeah. um I think winning game two would have gave us a belief. I, I, I deep down going into that series as well as we'd played, I think we all knew we got a little bit lucky getting into the finals yeah. and not playing the top teams. And obviously Detroit being the defending cups champs and you just looked over at their lineup and you're like, Oh, how are we going to beat these guys? I just don't 
think we had a belief that we could beat them, like a true belief. Mm. So had we won game two, I think that that belief would have been instilled and it would have been, I think, a big, a lot different. Not saying that we would have won, but I think the series would have gone a lot longer and, and, and who knows. But, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, it was tough that we lost. But I think to a man, we all thought, okay, we're going to be here again. You know, we've got a we've got a special group here, and and uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Now yeah, it took us until well, twenty eighteen to get back there. Yeah, twenty years. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Dave Pryor. W- what was it that he did that that sort of um, got you to where you needed to be? At one point, I, I know you told me you used the word volcanic. You said I'm an emotional and volcanic player, and 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 I think Dave kind of smoothed out some of those edges in your game. Yeah, I was I was a guy that wore my emotions on my sleeve, and and uh, yeah, I was fiery if uh, gave up a bad goal, or I mean, I think I put I put Sluggo's stick budget out of whack so many <laughs> times. It was I'm surprised I didn't owe them money with my next contract. Um, but Dave Dave just had a Dave just had a calming way with me. And uh, he just looked at me when I go through those moments and laugh at me. And I'm like, well, what are you laughing at? He's like, you're, just, you're looking like an idiot. And uh, I think that really kind of diffused some situations with me. And, and we just talked about channeling that energy into a different direction. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, again, having a guy like him in your corner and a guy that believes in you and uh, did, a, did a, uh, a wonder for my for my psyche and my confidence. And, and then... For him to be able to kind of um, put a cork in the volcano and just kind of, you know, have me play a lot calmer. I, it, it, there was a reason why my career ended up taking off and becoming as long as it did because I was able to finally find a way to to channel that and, and, and direct it in a different way. Starting with that 97-98 season, you had a run of seven years where you played 64 or more games. And in the middle of that, there was three straight years with 70-plus games and we we don't see goaltenders do that anymore what what in your opinion has changed because you weren't the only guy in the league guys like Nabokov and Brodeur there were there were a few guys in the league that that were capable of of shouldering that that kind of a workload I think Craig Billington was your backup in those days and then Johnny a little bit later and those guys knew they were getting 10 10 12 games maybe you were playing back-to-backs you were you were playing yeah, I mean, you'd you'd think nothing of starting twelve, fifteen games in yeah, a row. Yeah, a couple things. I mean, uh, uh, my my physical ability, like I was big, I was strong. I had a lot of reserves in me that you know my body didn't break down. Um, knock on wood, I stayed healthy for the most part. Um, and I was a guy, and Dave knew it. I I I played better when I played a lot. Yeah, you thrived on you know, like I just sure. got in a rhythm, and it was you know it was times where I had like a week between games. It just felt like took me a while to get into a game get my feet under me get to become fluid again and so the more I played the better I got um the other thing too is 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 um that was you know that was an era where you know every once every three four years we'd have a new expansion team come in and so Mm -hmm. the teams the parity wasn't quite there so you there were nights where you didn't have to be on your best you know we played Atlanta we played Tampa we played uh Florida played Carolina um you know, you didn't have to be on on you had every some room night. for error because yeah. you knew you were going to get five or six goals in right. support. Where sure. where nowadays, I mean, you can't you can't afford to give up a point. Every point's valuable, and so um, both goalies need to be on and ready to go um, because it, it's rare now that guys can play. And it's not so much from a physical standpoint; it's a mental standpoint. Yeah, I was going to say that you know because it is it is you can't take a night off and not that I I took a night off but I knew that if I wasn't my best that we could still get through and win the hockey game so your the mental grind wasn't quite there like it would be now where it doesn't matter who you play if you're not on you're going to lose and you you guys had um in in 0203 um Butch Cassidy took over the team you guys uh at Tampa in the first round I thought that was a pretty good team too cuz now you had Yager you had Robert Lang um, Mike Greer was on that team. It, it was a pretty, pretty good. I don't think the defense was as good though as as it was in, in the in the in the heyday when when uh, when you first kind of established yourself. But the the forward group was good. Won the first two games uh, on the road down there. Things turned on that stupid um, the five on, sticking five thing. On three and, and yeah, well, the, the five on three was game three. Oh, game yeah. six where my where Marty or game four where Marty came five. 
Five. where he came behind me and yeah. I played the puck and I think my stick was yeah should have been two a feet off the yeah. ice but Marty's two foot five and right. ended up hitting my stick and I got a penalty for it and they scored in the power play. Um, should have been it was a follow through too. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know if that if was the rule established back then with the follow. I don't know, but it yeah, didn't matter it anyway. Um, no, we had a really I was, we actually really had a really good team. We we battled Tampa the whole year. I think we lost out by a point to them. So they subsequently got home ice and yeah. and we went down there. We won both games handily. They had no business being in the in the in the in the series. I mean, they they were an organization that was still trying to find that first round win. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, beating them twice in their own building. I mean, that that had to put a a real chink in their armor. And and for whatever reason, we came back home and um, you know, I, whether it was we started the line match or 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 whatever it was. And give them credit too. They had yeah. some character. They had some character they guys. They had a character coach behind, and so they made some adjustments. And only won the cup a year later. Yes, too. yeah. Um, but you know, I think it was game three or game four. When did they hit the five on three in overtime? That was game three, and that was, that was, three. That was some BS. The way that the way yeah. that went down. Yeah. That so not you know that game goes to overtime. Yeah. We win that game in overtime, and it's pretty much right. over. But they ended up getting a little bit of life, and then uh, I didn't play well in game four. Team didn't play well in game four, and then. We went down, had a good game in Game Five. Got the penalty late. They scored, and then we lost in triple overtime on Easter. Easter Sunday, it was Game yeah. Six, and yeah. I remember uh, Dave Anderchuk scored with it was probably two minutes left in the game. Slap shot from the point and went off our defenseman's skate and right directly over to Anderchuk, who had a wide open net to tie it. So, um, and bounces. Bo- yeah, and yeah. Then both teams had opportunities in, in overtime. I think we took a too many men on the ice late and. Just as we killed that off, they came down and Marty Marty scored. So, but there was still a lot of going into the next season. There was still a lot of. Uh, I mean, you, you guys had a, a really high payroll, uh, a lot a stack team. Again, the defense was still a little spotty. I thought anyway, um, especially if you look at it on paper now. Uh, and then the, the start of the next season just wasn't there. It was you guys had a rough October, and I think. I think it started when uh, Steve Connor Walchuk had kind of asked out, asked to be to, to be dealt. He went to Colorado before the end of October, and it it kind of just started. Really, was in, in my time here the hardest season, and I'm sure it was for you guys too. Um, that that fire sale season of yeah. of 03, 04, where every two weeks you were dealing away a guy who was had been a, a fan favorite and a real stud here for, for a period of time. Yeah, and he was our like captain and, 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 uh, Gonchar, you know, Bondra. Yeah. Yager. Uh, Connor didn't agree with some things and, um, it wasn't like, a he's got to go or I got to go type thing, but it was almost like that. And so they, they felt like it was time for Connor to go, which, you know, which they didn't, I guess maybe didn't realize how much he meant to our group and how big, a you know, how, he was the glue really for our, there's a reason why he was the captain. And, um, and then yeah, it was later, I think it was November, we went out to L.A., and that's when everything fell apart yeah. with Bruce, and he got let go. And, yeah, and right then when it just kind of, right after that, I think they'd made their mind up that, okay, we're going to blow this thing up. And we were in Florida, I think, is when it really started to happen. Langer got traded, and Gonch got traded, and everybody got traded. And uh, the nail in the coffin for me, though, was, was when Gersey got traded. I thought, okay, I I I understood yeah. it. Okay, it's time to to maybe you know rebuild. But who better to have in your organization than Mike Greer if you want to bring in these young guys and teach them how to you know how to be part of an organization, how to be a pro? And and then all of a sudden it was like a last minute deal to Buffalo, and I'm like, oh my god. And then I was like, this is this is not good. And um, I remember they approached me and asked me if I wanted to go, and I said no, no, I'm willing to. Uh, to stick it out and see where it goes, and um, you know, then it was, we had the lockout. Fortunately, we drafted Ovi, but we had the lockout, and uh, yeah, that those four or five years after it was just like it was some rough hockey. What was it like coming out of the lockout, showing up for training camp, and you guys only had six holdover players from that last game before the lockout? It was kind of you, Halpy, Matt Pettinger. Brendan Witt, a couple other guys. There wasn't, there weren't too many. Most of those guys, a lot of those guys, never played in the NHL again because a lot of them had just been claimed off waivers Filling, at the yeah. deadline just because you needed bodies to, right. to finish out the season. But what was it like to, to show up at, at Piney still in those days for for training camp and all of a sudden now you got to you got to meet like a whole bunch of new teammates 
plus you've got this this Russian guy who's pretty pretty incredible, and it was pretty obvious from the get go that he was. Well, I met Ovi in um, when I played in uh, Berlin during the lockout. Um, he was in uh, Cologne for some reason. I think the the uh, the under under twenty Russian team was playing in a in a game there before we played, and. So I got to meet him, and and uh, very to me, I, my first impression is just like now a very infectious guy, and and so I was really I was really excited to to get going once once the NHL started again. And so you're right, when we got back, it's like, man, I felt like I got traded. It's a new group here, and um, but I was also a little invigorated. I thought, okay, this is a new era, and uh, you hear so much about this kid, and he had no idea he was gonna he, he was gonna be such an impact so early, um, but. He was he was so terrific. Um, wanted to learn English right away. Wanted to room with a North American guy so that he could get to know yeah. the culture. Like he really just threw himself into it, and um, and then the way he played and the way he celebrated, and I, I just think everybody just got you know excited and, and and reinvigorated. And you know we knew it wasn't going to be a quick fix, and there was still some things to. You know, Nikki had to come in, and Mike Green, and all, you know, all these guys mm-hmm. down the down the road. But at least it was like a glimmer of hope, and and then you're like talking to yourself, going, "Well, hopefully my body can, my body and my mind can can hang out until it be, you know until it comes to fruition." And um, you know, unfortunately, it didn't. But it was just great being a part of the three years with Ovi um, and seeing how the organization came back and and was on the cusp again of being relevant. How hard was it for a goaltender to at in that coming out of the the lack of where they had changed the, a lot of the rules as far as obstruction and teams were getting like eight, nine, ten power plays a night there for, for probably the first two years. So you're coming off of a year layoff and all of a sudden there's all this special teams time in, in pretty much every, every game that that was happening. Yeah, it was, it was an adjustment obviously. And then obviously you throw the shootout in there too. Um, yeah. That was, that was something new. And um, you know, we had a, uh, you know, we had an inexperienced team, and we were we were killing a lot of penalties, and so yeah, you're getting you're we were giving up a lot of chances and a lot of goals, and um, it was an adjustment. Um, but you you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, but it, it's it'll be worth it down the road when we're you know we're going to be better. And um, you know, the I remember the the first shootout we had was in Madison Square Gardens. Merrick Malik. Merrick Malik, and uh, you know, it was it was an exciting. Obviously, doing it in Madison Square Garden, it going 19 rounds, and and. And then the way it ended um, was obviously very special, exciting for the for the Ranger fans. But you know, everybody asked me. You know, they keep asking me. I, I think I answered the question last week to, to one of the young guys, and and they said, "Well, what did it feel when when Merrick Malik scored?" I go, "Listen, I go, there's not a goalie in the whole friggin' NHL that would have thought that he would pull that move off. It was the first year of the lockout." You'd never seen Merrick Malik come down, and for him to have the cojones to come down and pull that move off my hat was off to him you know and so um it was it was it was uh oh who's the defenseman the 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 round before um played in chicago he was the one i was actually disappointed with that that uh that he scored on me because he just came down and made a straight little shot to the glove side um but not a chance not a guy not one guy in the league would have figured that merrick malik would have pulled that move off and then um I think it was March twelfth of '08. You you win your 300th game at home against against Calgary. What did it mean to you to, to reach that milestone and to do it in, in front of the home folks? And that and that was during that 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 magical run there where you guys won 15 out of 19. That was uh, a, that was actually that was a bittersweet day. For I know me that because was because that was that, the trade deadline day, and uh, we just traded for Cristobal, and. Um, yeah, a lot of things went went on behind the scenes that that people didn't know. But um, so I went into that game, I think, with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, um, and uh, it was a good game. I don't think I played unbelievable, but it was a good game, and we ended up winning. And I got my three hundredth win. Um, I didn't realize at the time it was going to be my last win as a cap. I had one more after that. You only played two more games, but you was won one your more? next. Yeah, you had three oh one here, so you won the game against Calgary. I think there was another one against the Isles, and then there was the the game in Chicago. That yeah, that was that was the last game I played. Um, so yeah, but no, but the run that we went on that that spring was incredible. I mean, yeah, we had to 
had to basically run the table. You guys hadn't won. You were the only team in the league. At that point, you were the only team in the league that had not had a five-game winning streak in the last seven years. And you needed to win seven in a row to get in the playoffs, and, and, and you did it. But, but for you, like you said, bittersweet because, I mean, you kind of carried this team for most of the year and really for the decade before that. And like you said, the trade deadline comes. UA but, comes in. You guys have been alternating. And then once the, once the Chicago game yeah. uh, happened, and, and there was the pregame ceremony for Tony Esposito that night. There was all kinds of pomp and circumstance yeah, the, before the game. At the end of the day, the end of the day I didn't play well. Um, yeah, I gave up five or whatever. I gave maybe three or four in the first period. Yeah, um, yeah, but there's no excuse. I, I didn't play well, and, and you know what? And 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 good for Chris Ball. He went and he ran. He, I would have done the, the same table. thing with a coach. I yeah. mean, we were in desperate times. We were we were trying to make the playoffs. We had to get every point we could, and so I had no. There was no uh, bitterness on my part. The only bitterness for me was that was the trade deadline and how it was handled. I felt I. There was a, I think I earned a little bit of respect in the way that, um, you know, I could have met with George. Um, but it, it, either way, there was water underneath the bridge. We obviously yeah. mended our fences and um, we moved on. But um, no, and, and so it was great to be a part of that run. But, you know, deep down, you're like, I knew this was going to happen. You're going to, you get to the point where the team is finally making the turn and they're going to be relevant again. And, your time is up. Like you're, you know, I, I tore my labrum in my hip yeah. that, that year. Uh, my body was starting to fall apart. And um, obviously hindsight, I should have retired after that year. But with the way things ended, I didn't want to finish my career that way. So I figured, okay, well, I'm getting an offer from Tampa. I'm going to go play there for a year. And lo and behold, eight games in, I tear my biceps tendon. And that was pretty much the end of it. So um, no regrets going to Tampa uh, from a from a family standpoint. I mean, we loved it there. We were yeah. there for ten more years. Uh, from a hockey standpoint, um, it wasn't probably the best decision I made. But um, again, these are things you learn when you're younger and and you move on. And um, I'm so happy that I was able to reestablish the relationship with the Caps and uh, and still here. Well, I mean, you're in this organization as a player for I think I think. Uh, better part of two decades. I think it was like 18 years yeah. or so. And now another, I mean, this organization has been around for not quite 50 years and you've been part of more than half of that time. I can't think of another player who's been, I mean, obviously Craig Woody. Lachlan. <laughs> Woody. But, well, but he, he's not a player. True, true. Craig Lachlan's been associated with the organization for a long time, but I, I think you, you probably got Locker even by a few years. Um, when all the numbers are added up there, because he he wasn't here as a player as long as as you were, and you know you've been here now for I think a decade or so in in this current role. Um, and like I said earlier here, I mean I just feel like the the way your your career trajectory has got to be something that that you know gives you some some serious cachet with these kids because like you said. Um, but but how is it for you now? This just it, it's got to be gratifying to be able to to take that because I know it, I know for a fact there were times where I was the only guy that you would talk to in the media, and 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 I know some of the stuff that you went through to to get to where you were. It wasn't a linear ride. It wasn't always a smooth ride. There was a nice stretch there where it was was pretty good. But it's got to be able to. It's got to be kind of gratifying, I would think, to be able to to take that now and and spread that gospel, so to speak, to you know some of these younger That's guys. That's what it's what it's actually it's it's what I love doing. Um, you know, I, I I worked with the goalies for a number of years uh, before I took on this role, and um, and I and I still might enjoy my time working with the goalies. But here, I feel like I have a little bit more of an impact working with all our prospects. Um, and again, not 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 from skill development, but from an experience devel- uh, part where I can help these kids, you know, um, become better pros, help them, you know, through the ups and downs so that that their their downs aren't too low. And, and I try to get them where their highs aren't too high. You know, we keep that mountains low and valleys high, just, mm-hmm. e- you know, um, uh, even keel type approach. And and then I try to explain to them why. And, you know, a lot of these kids, you know, the draft kids we had now, I think I, they were five when I retired. Um, so I, I probably have to, to get the YouTube clips out just to kind of remind them of what I did and who I am. But 
I'm sure they walk down the hallway and they see my draft picture and they look at me and, and, <laughs> you know, wonder if it's the same guy, but, um, no, it's, it's, it's why you stay in it. It's, it's, you know, why coaches get gratification the way they do. It's why teachers get gratification the way they do. Um, you instill some wisdom and, and, and see them grow and, and see them become, you know, players and, and, and young men and, and have success, um, at a high level, um, because of maybe some of the input you gave them. And that's, I think that's why you continue. I, I continue to stay in this. Obviously it's hockey's my life and, and, um, it's, I can't play it now. I don't want to play it now. The, the game is incredibly fast, incredibly physical. I don't like, I wouldn't want to do the workouts now anymore, <laughs> but this is a way to stay in the game and yeah. stay around being around a team and, and that team concept. And, and I just, you, you miss that when you retire, You're just being around the guys and, you know, even though they're a lot, lot younger now, but, um, you know, being around the coaching staff and then, and then, you know, having your lunch and having conversations with the young guys and, you know, having them ask questions. And, uh, it, it's just, for me, it's, it's so much fun. So much fun. Last thing before we let you go, June 7th, 2018, what did, what did that night mean to you in Las Vegas? Hard to describe. I mean, that was, whew, boy, that was, uh, I think it was the first time my, my, my uh, daughter saw me cry. They were with me at the game there, and and um, the best, I guess the ultimate compliment or the best part of it was when I went down on the ice and uh, Ovi had the cup, and it looked like he was beelining to the dressing room. And out of the corner of his eye, he saw me, and he made a U-turn and came right to me, and he, he you know, he said, can you believe we won this bleep, bleep, bleep? And I go, <laughs> you son of a you did this i love you and it was just it was it was surreal and then we and and we went to the um the mandarin hotel after and we had our own little reception area and and we were in there first and then the players started trickling in and ovi did the exact same thing but this time my daughters were sitting there with me and uh i i just for me it was it was obviously the culmination of your career and and everything you dreamed of but you know, my my girls were too young when I was playing here to yeah. really kind of see what sure. what I did, and then and then uh, well, they they obviously knew who who Ovi was. They all knew who Tom Wilson was, the good looking guy in the caps, and you know Braden Holpe, and and then but then this, for them to see Ovi bring the cup to me, and and I think that really was like wow, that's kind of a big deal. You know, it was it was fantastic. I was real happy for you, and obviously for everybody. It was hopefully uh, hopefully we can do that again. Sometime. Hopefully. But thanks, uh, thanks as always for your time, Ole. I've I've always enjoyed our our conversations uh, for what are part twenty five plus years now. So totally appreciate your time. Anytime, Vogues, you're the best. This has been Break the Ice with Mike Vogel, presented by Power Up Premium Trail Mix the official trail mix of the Washington Capitals. If you like the show, please leave a review.